Well, that sucked. Um, should we talk about it? I guess. Um, episode 571 of the podcast. Welcome back to BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Um, thank you for tuning in. It's, we're going to talk some Knicks uh, on this wonderful Sunday, the night after the Knicks took a beating from the New Orleans Pelicans in their arena. Uh, so... Let's get to it. Episode 571 of BD4. Let's go. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Penetrate, creates, and showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. All right, let's talk Knicks. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Welcome. Episode 571 of the podcast. Well, uh, that that wasn't a uh, game that exactly inspired confidence in me. And and this might be an episode where we have our first overreaction of the season. So, you know, bear with me if you're more of the optimistic type um the Knicks were were bitched and bullied last night in New Orleans um that is the title of this episode um bitched and bullied they didn't seem to have it from the get-go see I mean right away terribly sloppy uh awfully sleepy for the Knicks they were. They looked like they were sleepwalking out there. I don't know if they went out late on Friday night when they got into New Orleans, the Big Easy. Maybe they had some good food, a couple drinks. You know, I know it's a back to back. It's also Game Three of the season, folks. You know, like they were playing tired right out the gate in the first quarter. All right. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, the first quarter of the game, the, the first basket comes from RJ. Impressive finish. He goes right, finishes left around Valanciunas. Uh, but the Pelicans answer that by scoring eight consecutive points. Back-to-back three-pointers in there. That's when Tom Thibodeau calls a timeout. This is just a few minutes in. The timeout didn't really matter, though. Uh, the Knicks, they were moving the ball pretty well to start the game. They were just missing open looks. Um, then they started to turn it over and they turned it over some more and more and more. And Randall got knocked down his ass by Zion. And by the end of the first quarter, all of a sudden it's 26, 12 Pelicans. Second quarter comes and I apologize if you can hear the washer and drying machine in the background. I have my studio right next to the laundry room. Um, 
I don't have a, I literally don't have a fourth wall. Uh, it's just curtains, no door. Um, so I apologize for that. Second quarter, the deficit grows to 19 points. Um, some interesting substitution patterns. We'll talk about that. Tibbs take our Tibbs takes RJ out. Um, RJ comes back in a little later for quickly. Nothing was working. But RJ was the only one playing well. Nobody else was really scoring. And it's 55-37 Pelicans at halftime. In the third quarter, it's kind of the only half-decent quarter for the Knicks. Um, They go on this 14-6 run to start it off. Grimes knocks down a quick triple. RJ staying strong. Mitch is playing his ass off. The deficit was cut to six. Six or seven. But that quickly grew back to nine points by the end of the period. They go into the fourth, 77-68. For as bad as they're playing, you would take that. But fourth quarter came, and that just kind of all disappeared. Brandon Ingram stayed hot. Zion got his 24. Uh, The Knicks, they were in it still for a little bit, but eventually they ran out of time, and and the lead kept expanding. And by like the four-minute, five-minute mark, Thibodeau waved the white flag and emptied the bench with his reserves. And so the Knicks would lose 96-87 to last night to the Pelicans on the road. And I, it's funny, you know, because we literally started off the last show. Our first topic was us. We were I was complimenting Tom Thibodeau for about five, ten minutes. Well, in this episode, we're going to start right off the bat by doing kind of the opposite. Um, now, I want to preface this by saying in no way am I blaming Tom Thibodeau for the loss last night. Um You could definitely make a case for everything I'm about to say against what I'm about to say, I should say. Um, But this is how I feel. Um, I don't think it was the best game for anybody last night, and Tom Thibodeau was included in that. Um, I just, I didn't like his decisions. Um, He didn't help with the size issue. Uh, We know the Knicks are a very undersized team as it is whether that be a guard, wing, or forward behind Randall, they're small. And they're going up against the Pelicans team who've got size, height, mass, wingspan. Right? Ingram, he's very long. Zion, big dude. Herb Jones, Valanchunas, though he was kind of shut down last night. They're a big team. So I... I, Just wonder why Tibbs didn't really try adjusting coverages um, specifically to me on Brandon Ingram. Ingram scored 26 points last night. Shot, I don't know, close to 70%. It felt like Tibbs had everybody on him except RJ. Like, RJ was on him, but like, like, Tibbs threw Grimes on him. He tried Dante, even had Josh Hart guarding him at times. But for the damage that Ingram was doing against those guys, relatively very little was RJ on Ingram when it just makes sense because the size matches up there. 
at least much better than those three wings. I mean, RJ is the only true wing on the team regarding size. And right out of the gate in the first quarter, in the first quarter you were seeing it. Ingram was just, he was pushing Grimes off his spots, muscling his way through the basket, shooting over Grimes, kind of like Tatum was on Wednesday. Um, and in spots where RJ was on Ingram, I thought he held his own and did pretty well. Um, so I, you know, that's the way I felt. That was what the eye test told me. So I, I went and looked at the analytics on NBA.com from that game last night. And Brandon Ingram, when defended by Grimes, Hart, and Dante last night, six for six, 13 points in just over five minutes. And Brandon Ingram, when guarded by RJ, two for five, five points, just over four minutes. So I feel like RJ could have spent a lot more time on him there was maybe one single possession where I thought RJ played, played bad defense on Brandon Ingram, and that's when he was overhelping in the lane and Ingram got that corner three off on him. That was in the third quarter. But every other time, I thought he did fine in one-on-one with him. You know, at least better than the other three guys did. I thought he had a shot where those guys didn't... Like, I didn't feel confident at all when Grimes was on him. Um, so... Yeah, that was a little questionable for me. I, I thought the substitution patterns with R.J. Barrett were also odd. And I know that Tibbs has his fixed rotation where guys always come in and out at certain times. He likes a consistency. But that's the issue we kind of always talk about here, right? He's never really adjusting within the flow of the game. That's what has gotten him in trouble in the playoffs. Um, you saw in the middle of the first quarter... RJ is subbed out like usual for Josh Hart. But I'm thinking at that moment, well, we kind of needed RJ in there. We needed RJ's defense in there on Ingram. We needed his scoring there too. Everybody was missing. Um, RJ doesn't check back in until the second quarter, five minutes and change later. And then there was a similar occurrence in the third quarter, late third quarter. Same thing. RJ subs out few minutes, I don't know, four minutes left in the third. And this time, it's after he makes one simple mistake. He loses the ball on a drive, turns it over, and so he subbed out. We see Tibbs do that a lot with guys. But at that moment, he was scoring steadily. I think he had five points in the third period at the time. He was fine defensively. And not long after he's checked out for Josh Hart, both Hart and Quickly commit some terrible fouls on Brandon Ingram. Now, complain about officiating all you want on that Josh Hart foul. I agree that Ingram elbowed Hart. But the bottom line is RJ last night played 30 minutes um, as as the second best player, maybe the first best player for the Knicks. Randall, the worst Nick out there far and away, played four more minutes to lead the team. So, uh, you know... That those are four minutes that could change the outcome of a 97-86 game or 96-87 game. You couldn't hand R.J. Barrett four or five extra minutes in one of those spurts where you checked him out. That was that was very questionable to me. I, I thought Randall was left in way too long. 
with the second unit again. Um, it wasn't Randall's night from the get-go, and it wasn't all night. You know, and it was a fine night for R.J. Barrett. 18 points, 7 to 16 shooting, nothing crazy. He was 6 of 10 on the inside. And we know R.J. thrives with that bench unit. That's his whole thing, right? R.J. is great with the bench. I want to say R.J. played a total of 6, 7 minutes with the bench last night and maybe 3 minutes and change in each half. I don't think that's enough. So that's all I'm going to do when it comes to complaining about tips. Uh, because I, I understand I'm not coaching. It's different. Kind of playing Monday morning quarterback. But in the moment, I was feeling that way. Um, because the Knicks are very small. And we'll talk a little more about that when we return from our first break here. Stay with us on BD4, episode 571. We'll be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. So, I... Yeah, I... I, you know, I, I've talked about it recently, how I don't really want the Knicks to make any more lateral moves, but they might have to make a small trade after all. Um, they're way too tiny to me. At guard, at wing, behind Randall, they're way too undersized. They were getting outboxed, pushed off their spots, shot over like crazy, and they also were against Boston on Wednesday. Um... It wasn't only Ingram last night, but how many times did Julius struggle to defend or score on Zion Williamson? You know, he finally met his match at power forward in terms of mass. He couldn't get to his spots, struggled with his positioning. And, you know, we talk about the turnovers that the Knicks had. They had 18 turnovers. Eight of them came in the first quarter. So that's that's partially because they were asleep. But you look at the Pelicans and they have size. So they've got long limbs out there. They're able to deflect balls and pick the passing lanes. The Knicks have guys like that. They've got Dante who can do it, Hart who can do it. But I feel like we need some more length. It would help the Knicks significantly if they had that more length, especially with the way they scheme defensively. Um, I was listening to a podcast and... They brought up a name we've heard before connected to the Knicks, um, Jeremy Grant. Um, If it's something that doesn't cost a ton of assets and we wouldn't have to attach picks, yeah. First round picks, yeah. I'm for it. Like Jeremy Grant's build is exactly the type of build the Knicks need at wing. He can play small forward. He can play power forward. He's 6'8", 210, a freak athlete with a 7'3 wingspan. That's that's what we need. That's the exact type of player we need. So, I don't know. Maybe Portland wants to reunite with Josh Hart, right? Maybe they take Dante. 
I don't know. I don't know their direction right now. Obviously, they just moved Dame, but I don't know. I, I really, I, I think the Knicks should consider it. Because um, I'm just saying, like, I know we want the big home run move. That's got to be a move we make um, to get the to the get to get to the next step. But what I'm saying is, if the Knicks are still having issues late in December. 20-something games in. Maybe they're the 10 seed. Maybe worse. Like, we're not in a position yet to where we can act like we're guaranteed to make the playoffs. So what if we still need more of those incremental moves to get there? You know, it doesn't mean we're going to make it this year because we made it last year. Look how the year before went. And, by the way, if we're talking about size concerns, that's why I'm a little afraid of the Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson potential front court. Right? It's why I lean more towards an Embiid deal as much as we love Mitch or Zion, Randall for, Randall for Zion. <clears throat> um, so, you know, am I overreacting in Game 3? Maybe. But I think it's okay to be concerned because we're Knicks fans, and again, we're not guaranteed shit. You know, we're not guaranteed to make the postseason. We think we will. But it's it's a problem that I think could be an actual problem um, in the midst of the season. I wouldn't be shocked. Speaking of concerns, (laughs) week one is in the books. um, And while, again, it's only game three, we're only three games in, Brunson and Randall have yet to find a consistent rhythm. These two guys have got to get it going Yesterday, like with with Brunson right now, it's it's his two point shot. That's usually his bread and butter. But so far this year, he's struggling very much at the first two levels. Um, last season, he was fifty two percent inside the arc, forty seven percent in the mid range, fifty nine percent at the basket. This year, he's small sample. 29% inside the arc, 22% in the mid-range, 38% at the basket. Nine attempts, eight attempts. Unlike at the Garden on Wednesday night versus Boston, I feel like last night's struggles were Jalen not being able to get to his spots. And that's not surprising because Jalen's always had trouble with those longer defenders. Those defenses, they're going to trap him. They they swarm up top. They will stunt with somebody on a drive. And we saw a lot of that last night with the Pelicans. There were times when Valanciunas and Herb Jones doubled onto him. There were times when in one-on-one, Jalen will be matched up with Zion. They have so much length to where it's, it's hard to switch into a mismatch. Like, there was a possession where... That guy, Matt Ryan, um, he was on him, but the Knicks ran pick and roll, but it'd be Ingram on the switch. So you can't really find those mismatches when you play a longer team. So it just, it seems like with him right now, he's trying so hard to get himself going, but it's also coming at the expense of the offense. You know, like he's taking, I'm not saying he's being selfish, but he's taking the Knicks out of their scheme to try and get into a rhythm for them. And it looks very ugly 
watching. So if you could find one flaw on Brunson, it's it's always been that. As a point guard, he needs to do a better job of looking for others when he's off. Now, last night, 14 attempts, five assists, one turnover, 31 minutes. So numbers-wise, he wasn't cancerous. But there were moments, like there are often when he, whenever he's off, and he's not off often, but when he's off, there are moments where we see him over-dribble and take some shots maybe he shouldn't have. Late first quarter last night, off the pick and roll. That had to be a lob to Mitch. Um, you had a wide open lane for Mitch on the roll, but Brunson pulls up for a mid-range and he misses. It was an open shot, yes, but it was a two-pointer, and Mitch going for the slam is also two points. So they're both worth the same, but one is zero feet from the rim, the other is 16 feet, whatever he was. You know, there was also a tough shot he took over Dyson Daniels at the end of the first half that I didn't like. Um, early third quarter, Mitch grabs that offensive rebound to reset the shot clock to 14. The ball goes back out to Brunson. About 12, 11 seconds left. Brunson immediately shoots the ball over C.J. McCollum at the top of the key for a three. He misses. So I didn't like his shot selection last night. Um, a lot of pounding the air out of the ball, too. I, I just... Early, so I just hope it comes soon for him. You know, we'll see. Um, Cleveland's coming up next. They're they're a long team, but he found success against them in the playoffs, so we'll see. And with Randall, you know, he was having trouble reading those double teams last night. You know, and the Hawks were sending doubles, but they were constantly sending doubles, so he was able to read that. Every time he'd catch it, the double came. But the Pelicans mixed up coverages a lot, and it kind of threw Randall off. They were throwing soft doubles, hard doubles, early doubles, late doubles. They had guys in the lanes one pass away. You know, loading up help from the weak side. They, they were just doing all types of things. And that'll throw him off because Randall's awareness remains a problem. It's always been his biggest flaw is he's not the most aware player on either end. Um, just making some questionable, to say the least, decision-making um, taking way too long to make those decisions. And the jump pass made its return last night. <laughs> and you combine all that, that led to eight Randall turnovers. That's horrendous. Uh, he just seemed unaware of where his teammates were on the floor, unaware of the shot clock, unaware of where the defense was. He did a terrible job of reading the game. Um... And his shot is just so far off. He looks terrible from the field. In post-up, at the three-point arc, at the free-throw line, he looks terrible. Now, part of it is, you know, he's. I, it looks like he's having issues picking his spots, finding that balance between scoring and wanting to distribute. But we are three games in now, and Randall has not looked close to being the player he was last year. He's struggling to score on mismatches. How many times did we talk about that against Boston, where whether it was Tatum, Holiday, Derek White, he'd have an issue. Last night he had C.J. McCollum on him a couple times in post-up. Nothing. The Zion matchup, obviously you get that, but C.J. McCollum is someone that Randall needs to be stepping on. Even Herb Jones blocked Julius when he was going to the rim. 
So his three-point shot, he, he had a wide-open three from the left elbow. Clank. I hope his ankle is okay. It looks like he's fine physically, but who knows how he feels. You know, I, I don't know. And, of course, this is all while he continues to be the slug he is defensively. And he's still missing rotations. You still see him wandering in the paint while his man's in the corner. You know, last night he was playing foolish defense on Zion. Uh, the size, whatever. He, you know, he gets his ass knocked to the floor. Embarrassing, but Zion's a huge dude. He, when healthy, he's impossible to guard. But, I mean, Randall was out there a few times trying to block Zion like Zion shot right-handed. I don't think Randall knew. <laughs> like, take away his left. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I worry. You know, I worry if we're going to miss Obi Toppin more than people think. You know, Obi could at least produce offense as the backup power forward. You don't think offense when you think of Josh Hart. Obi put points on the board. You know, he could spread the floor with a three-point shot. Not exactly something Josh Hart does. He upped the tempo. He brought the energy with those open floor windmill dunks. And Josh Hart, although I loved him last year, hasn't made an impact since the regular season last year. It really feels like he hasn't been here this year. You know, like, did he produce over his head a little bit last season? I think so. Um, I, I don't think Josh Hart's shooting 60% again on his threes. That ain't happening. Like, defenses know he's not a high-volume three-point shooter. We saw that in the postseason. We saw that in Boston uh, against Boston on Wednesday. So, he's probably not going to have those 28-point outbursts like he did when he first came over. And I know he had 10 rebounds last night, but last year his size and his rebounding played up at guard. It played up at wing. But now that he's playing a slot up at power forward, that might not be sustainable. Just like the more we talk about this, the more I have no issue moving Josh Hart for someone who's bigger, like a Jeremy Grant. Like maybe, maybe it happens. Maybe we'll find somebody. But I have no issue. I'm kind of falling out of love with Josh Hart. He's got time. Maybe he finds it, but we need size. You know, we can like all these guys all we want, but one of them has to be, uh, we need some long wing in there. You can't keep all these guys and expect to win. I don't know. I I just have a feeling it might become an issue. Um, But bottom line, back on track in this subtopic, the Knicks are going nowhere unless these two guys, Julius and Jalen, find it ASAP. All right, and and I want to kill a narrative real quick. This whole thing, we, we've heard it come up before, where, oh, the Knicks only play well when Br- Brunson or Randall play well. I, I always find that ridiculous, because unless you're a super team with three stars, that's how most NBA teams work. <laughs> like, we also know the Knicks still need one more guy. We know that. Yeah, I'm aware of it. We, we all are. But to sit and act like... Suddenly, Brunson and Randall are the only two good players. No, the Knicks have been good because they've developed and acquired a ton of solid NBA talent led by Brunson and Randall. But like most other teams, until the Knicks, you know, top two guys stop shooting 20%, they will keep losing games as they've been so far. So that's how that works. Your top two guys are going to carry the, the load. 
So I just, I don't think it's become a depth issue. I just because I think it's become your top two guys aren't performing well, and you know they're twenty five percent shooters right now. That's that's an issue. Every team needs their top guys to be on their game. Um, and arguably the, their third best player from last year is also struggling to start his season. Uh, Emmanuel quickly is not exactly having himself a contract worthy start. Um, is he pressing for the money? Maybe he's taken some terrible shots himself, much like Brunson where it's like out of the rhythm of the offense and you see him over dribbling and waiting too long to pass or shoot in the half court. He took a terrible two for one shot at the end of the first quarter. The offense, the offense, they weren't even set. You had guys behind the timeline still. He had four Pelicans near the basket when he took it. The other one was in Quickly's face. Um, he had a shot where he rushed a contested mid-range with RJ pretty open in the corner. Um, he ignored Brunson and chose to throw up a contested runner at the rim at one point. Uh, there was that play where the shot clock was, was counting down. RJ was wide open again. And quickly took so long to make the pass that by the time he did pass it, it allowed, I think, Herb Jones to recover and block RJ's shot. He just watched quickly. He, he could tell he wanted the mid-range, wanted the mid-range, he wanted the mid-range, but he never had it. So finally, with four or five seconds left on the shot clock, he throws it to RJ, and it's just a broken play by then. Um, and I know last year... Like years prior, it took quickly a while to get it going. But that, to me, especially at this point in a player's career, is such a garbage excuse. It's so weak, soft, and it's a pathetic cop-out. I'm not just ignoring 20-something games of one of my most important players. I'm not doing that. We can't afford shit like that. He's too important. That's a quarter of the season. You don't just give somebody a 20-game vacation. Three, four, maybe five games, sure. Whatever, it's a little slump. But he needs to wake up after that. We're not doing this again. We're not doing the soft shit where we say, all right, he usually starts slow, so let's just give him 20 games. No, he bet on himself because he thinks he could top last year. It's time to see that. We'll talk some positive when we return from break. Excuse me. We'll hand out our two Bing Bong Awards. Who gets the Bing Bong game ball from off the bench and in the starting lineup? When we return, stay with us. Be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, R.J. Carbone. Mitchell Robinson. I'm handing out my award. He's getting the bing-bong game ball among the starters last night. He was great. Bing-bong! Yeah, Mitch, 8 points, 15 rebounds, 2 blocks last night, a steal, no turnovers. I think he had a steal. I put zero on the screen. That might be a typo. Um, 
But he was the only reason the Knicks had a chance in that fourth quarter. Mitch was arguably their best. I mean, he was. I'm giving him the award among the starters. He was their best player last night. He and RJ have been the only two Knicks worth turning on the TV for so far this year. Um, he was challenging shooters. He took on Zion at times because Julius needed help. Uh, he shut down Valanchunas all night. Valanchunas just eight points, four rebounds, which came in garbage time, those points. Um, four turnovers. So Mitch continues to play well against interior-minded big men. We mentioned that last show. Uh, just uh, he created a shit ton of second opportunities for the Knicks with his box outs, tip outs, rebounding. He had 10 offensive rebounds. That's just freakish. He's on another level this season. He's one of those players, you look at his numbers, they continue to get better and better each year. And I think this is the year where Mitch breaks out. And if he's, it's just about health. If he's healthy, he can win a Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, and if we're on the topic of big men, I'll hand out an award to Hartenstein. This one, I honestly, it's because the bench was so bad. This is more process of elimination. Uh, um, I don't know. He, he challenged some shots last night. He drew some whistles a few times, um, and he played hard. I, I mean, I'm not giving it to Quickly. I didn't like the way he played. I'm not giving it to Josh Hart. I did not like the way he played. Um, who am I missing? Dante. Dante, I did not like the way. Dante DiVincenzo. He's not in Golden State anymore, okay? Well, by the way, he also missed another shot at the rim. That is a problem. But the way he's passing, is it's very reckless. He's got to realize he's in a different system. Um, so Hartenstein. Hartenstein gets the uh, bing-bong game ball off the bench because of process of elimination. <laughs> and that's it. Um, you know, I, I, it could get worse before it gets better, folks. You know, I, I said it at the end of the last episode, the Knicks are not always going to shoot 40-something percent from three like they did in the first two games. They won't always be racking up 30 assists like they did against Atlanta. They're not always going to be moving off the ball like they were in that game. That's not them. They've never been that type of team under Tom Thibodeau. We saw law of averages take place a little bit last night. The gods know the Knicks can't shoot. They were historically pathetic last night. Seven for 37, 19% at the yard. They only had 19 assists. They had 18 turnovers. And when you play a team with length like that, you need ball movement and off-ball movement. You can't play that slow, methodical style that the Knicks play. So they paid for it with a loss because of that. And I said, most nights it's going to be muddy, dirty. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to scratch and claw. It's not going to be like Atlanta most of the time. They're going to have to battle like Game 7. Most of the time. And so looking at the schedule, it could get ugly um, soon. It could. There's there's a world where it gets ugly very soon. You've got consecutive back-to-backs. Your second back-to-back coming up in a home-and-home against the Cleveland Cavs. Tuesday, Wednesday, you're in Cleveland. Then you go to the Garden. And then... To conclude next week, they've got Dame, Giannis, and the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee on Friday. So, to me, that's why last night was a bad loss. Because the Boston game, it was a close one, but they're the title favorites in the East. Atlanta, you just barely got by, but you got your win. Thank God. But this was a team 
better than Atlanta last night. Not as good as Boston, probably. I felt like the Knicks needed to beat that team. But, again, not surprising that they didn't. Bad matchup for them uh, size-wise. And it could get very ugly before it gets better. Um, Not saying it won't get better, but I am saying that there's a chance that it gets ugly and we start hearing the dark rumors, you know, Thibodeau, fire him, trade this guy. Like We could start hearing last year's December noise here in in, uh, early November before we start hearing the positives. It might get to a point like that again, and then we'll find our rhythm, um, hopefully. But uh, it's kind of just like a a heads up because I wouldn't be shocked if if that started happening. Because look at the schedule, man. The first 10 games, honestly, are not not in our favor. Um, Cleveland, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Clippers. I think we got to see Wemby after that. It's it's not going to be easy. Talking about length. It's not going to be easy. Let's finish this show. Get to our final break. Wrap it up with our trivia. That'll be that. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 571 of BD4. Make sure to subscribe to the show, download these episodes, share them with your friends on social media. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and we do some MMA on occasion. You can find BD4 on many different podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want to listen. You can also watch the video format on Spotify and YouTube. We got a blog, if you want to go to my website, bd4blog.com, where we write about this team. We write about the Yankees. We write about some MMA. We don't go on there often, but we're going to be more active this Knicks season. I plan on writing an article in the coming day or two about last night's loss, so look forward to that. But bd4blog.com is where we write the blog. You can also find the links to this podcast on that website, as well as the links to my social media and more. Uh, we're on Facebook, BD4, Instagram, at BD4Pod, and at Rob J. Carbone, my personal page, where I just promote this podcast and share funny shit. And you can also find me on Twitter, or I guess X, at BD4Pod. So with that all said, let's get into our trivia question of the day to wrap this episode up.
So in this show, episode 571, our NYY NYK MMA trivia question of the day is last Wednesday, Jalen Brunson started in his second consecutive opening night at point guard. Who was the last Nick point guard to do so in which years were that? Last Wednesday, Jalen Brunson started in his second consecutive opening night at point guard. Who was the last Nick point guard to do so? Which years? All right. So that is our trivia question for this episode. One final time. Last Wednesday, Jalen Brunson started in his second consecutive opening night at point guard. Who was the last Knicks point guard to do so? Which years? All right, so let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. That's it. And that's it for this show. Episode 571 is in the books. We'll wrap it up here. Terrible, terrible loss. Not a good start to the season for the Knicks in week one, but hopefully week two is better. Uh, Yep, Tuesday in Cleveland. So we'll see. All right, thank you. Appreciate you all stopping by. I'll see you in the next. I'll see you in the next show. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.